0: I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sky.
1: You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its Board of Regents. To learn more about this program or other programs on KUCI, log on to KUCI.org. My name is Ann. You're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. We have, with us here in, uh, we have with us here on the phone today, Sydney Hardgrave. Sydney, hi. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I want to thank you yes. for calling in to share the information on Holly's house today. Glad to do it. Yeah, uh, I first come across you guys when I watched your program on Forty Eight Hours, and you guys, I guess, are a, um, a a victims advocate center in Evansville, Indiana. Is that correct? That is. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I was just, like, so impressed that they have that that I'm hoping that we can learn a lot more about it to share. I'm, I'm sure that you've got some good information to share um, for, I'm sure, that all over the country that could benefit from something like this. <laughs> oh,
0: certainly, certainly. Mm-hmm.
1: So you are the executive director. I am.
0: I've been with the organization a little over a year and a half now.
1: Could you share with us uh, exactly what 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 took place to um, you know make Holly's House get
0: started? Well, our one of our primary founders was a sex crimes detective in Evansville, Indiana. Mm-hmm. His name's Brian Turpin, and he went to a conference where he learned about the model for children advocacy centers. And when he came back to Evansville, he basically he had fire under him. He's, you know, mm-hmm. he was just determined that our community needed something like that for the children in our area. Um, he then partnered up with Holly Dunn-Pendleton, and that's who the 48-Hour Show is about. Um, Holly is a, a local person as well, grew up in Evansville, and experienced a horrendous crime when she was a, a college student. So she was a survivor. Um, she was attacked by a serial killer. And it's the only known survivor of that particular serial killer. So she, as you can imagine, and, um, incredible strength as she came through that period of her life and has dedicated herself to creating opportunities and services for victims in the future. So those two people, you know, put their passions together, put their thread and creativity together, and as a result, created
1: Holly's House for our community. So Brian actually had visited one, is is that my understanding, and and then he knew that he wanted to do this, and, and then he just kind of joined forces with Holly, is that right? That's correct, yeah. That's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, he'd been working children's crimes, particularly children's sex crimes, for a number of years, and... So once he learned of this particular approach to working with children who've been victimized, he just you know he' said there's no other way that the community should be doing this for their kids that it was the best model to bring forward so well, I
1: like the idea that you shared that on on forty eight hours because um it it's important for people to know that um if somebody helped you along the way there's 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 so much help out there isn't there?
0: Oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, and, and that's what's really important to Holly is, um, you know, learning from her own experience and just wanting wanting to know that future victims have compassionate, caring support from day one, and that really motivates her work.
1: Wow, well, that makes sense to me. Could you yeah. uh, share with us the mission of the organization, Sydney? Well, the, the mission of
0: Holly's Health, our primary goal is to provide compassionate, Services for victims when they first come forward to support the crime, or to report the crime, I'm sorry. And to provide an environment that's really counter to anything you would expect um, a victim or most people who enter the criminal justice system to encounter. Our environment's very um, quiet, very calm, a lot of attention to privacy and anything but, you know, the kind of traditional white walled institutional look. Uh, we want to ensure at that moment when a victim's ready to report their crime that our environment takes away any hesitation or fear or anxiety that they may have. So that's our first mission. Um, our second mission then of course is to prevent crime in the future, to provide resources for our community that not only hold offenders accountable but also create awareness and provide skills to citizens so that hopefully they won't have to encounter the same kind of trauma that past victims have endured.
1: Do you think the crime rate is up or down?
0: Um, in the crimes that we serve, we serve um, individuals who've experienced domestic violence, sexual assault, or child abuse, and primarily child sexual abuse is the population we work with. I don't see in our area that the crime rate is going up Mm-hmm. however the the number of people we serve is just increasing dramatically we've been open now about three years and we've doubled the number of people we serve every year i I attribute those numbers to the community understanding what it is we're offering um, through our center and not a dramatic increase in the crimes
1: well you know I saw um, Holly it's Holly Dunn Pendleton is that her name That's the- Okay, and I mm-hmm. saw her, like I said, on 48 Hours, and I was, I was just like blown away. And then at the end when I found out, I was like, wow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Can you share yes. with us Holly's story and how it ties into the development of Holly's house? I
0: um, Sure, yeah. Holly was, as I said, she grew up in Evansville. She's a, a local member of our community. She went to college in Kentucky, and it was when she was in college that she was attacked. Mm -hmm. Um, She was walking along the railroad tracks one night with her boyfriend, and um, the attacker had his, I don't know, his name or what they were calling him before they identified he was doing it, was the railroad serial killer. Hmm. And so he was a person who, you know, hopped a train, rode along the rails, and went from community to community, killing as he went. Um, So, you know, a total total happenstance that he happened to be in Kentucky the night that Holly and her boyfriend were taking that walk. Um, He did attack them both, bound them, beat them. Hmm. Holly did witness the murdering of her boyfriend. He did not survive the attack. And needless to say, she was severely injured um, afterwards. But she did survive. She crawled, dragged herself to a house that she could see off in the distance and was able to get help. So she did survive. Hmm. Um, that gentleman went on to a number of other communities. I believe he was finally caught and prosecuted in Texas, um, but, you know, left left a series of tragedy in his wake. And um, Holly, of course, was the prime witness when they did prosecute him and has come through so much, so much more than any of us can even imagine. And, again, taking that experience to motivate opportunities to serve victims, other victims of crime, and support their recovery journeys. So she's a very remarkable woman.
1: You know, I do believe that that's the best way to heal, is to create something if if you've gone through something like that, because I I can't imagine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And there there really are so few. I mean, we know, of course, there's lots of victims of those types of crime, but when you're in that position, you feel very, very isolated, and you don't You know, you're just not often able to see that there are others in your community, others nearby who who can share some understanding of what you're going through and really want to support you, you know, getting back onto a path where you're safe and can flourish and, you know, make the most of life. And so...
1: Sure. Um, now that you guys have been open for three years, what impact has the agency had on the local community or, or beyond?
0: Well, I think the greatest impact we have had is the collaboration amongst our partner agencies. Um, for example, when we interview a child who we suspect has experienced child abuse, that interview is done with the full team involved in the case at our facility we would have child protection staff people there. We would have law enforcement there. Often we'll have a mental health professional. We may have the prosecutor observing. But all of those people come to one place, and the child you know, doesn't have to be interviewed by each of those agencies separately. Mm-hmm. So we bring a child into an environment that's very child-friendly. They start in a playroom full of toys. We just want them to relax, kind of get used to us. And then when we go to talk to them about their experience, um, they talk to only one person. It's a very conversational approach and those who need to witness that interview are in another room. So, you know, we've tried to take away any sense of intimidation the child may feel, that, you know, that they have to talk to a whole bunch of people, that there's all these strangers around, just anything that might keep a child from telling their story, we try to manage our environment so that that does not happen. And really give that child every chance to come forward with what they do. Um, because we use this team model, what I've witnessed in our community is, you know, all of these groups have worked alongside each other for many, many years. But we intentionally bring them together in what we call a multidisciplinary team meeting to really talk about how do we best serve victims, both children and adults in our community. Um, when we've had a case recently, we can analyze that case together, kind of take it apart, think about where, you know, where did the ball get dropped, where was communication not adequate, Um, is there a service that's needed for this family that we don't have in our community and how do we create that service. And so the greatest impact I think we have had is really just providing a place and a forum for all of these professionals who ultimately want to do the best job they can to really look systemically at how we care for victims in our community and create that positive change, you know, as a team. So it's, it's incredible to see that work being done and to see how this, you know, how we learn from one case and can manage the next situation that much better.
1: Absolutely. Um, what has been the youngest child that you guys have um, taken service there?
0: Yeah, the youngest child we have interviewed is two years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, we see a trend towards much, much younger children being victimized. Mm -hmm. And the the theory around that is that predators have have learned or have shared amongst their network that the younger child is, the harder it is for them to tell what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they don't always have the language skills. They don't always have the words they're probably more easily intimidated than an older child. So we have worked with a number of children as young as two um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just do our very best to help them tell their story, to provide clarity to the situation so that child protection staff and law enforcement staff can do their job, you know, can do what they need to do to ensure, ensure a child's safety do what they need to do to identify the predator and hold that person accountable. Sure. Right.
1: Could you yeah. share with us a little bit about Children's Advoc- Advocacy Center, the, the model for um, mm-hmm. the organization, please?
0: Yes. Horns um, Health, when we opened, we adopted a model from the National Children's Alliance. And this is a group in Alabama that really designed and tested this model initially. Um, you know, before this approach became... More common, when children were abused, they may be taken to the police station for an interview, to the welfare office for an interview, to the principal's office for an interview. You know, all of those environments, of course, have a real aura of authority around them and can be intimidating even if adults were intimidated when we walk into the police station. Um, so this group in Alabama, the National Children's Alliance, wanted to find a better way, wanted to find You know, an environment and approach that would help children tell their stories and not create further trauma for them through that process. So they created this model about 25 years ago. They've tested it. They've replicated it. There now are approximately 700 children advocacy centers across the United States. Hmm. Um, New ones are getting organized all the time, which is really exciting to see. And you know, again, communities have just begun to understand that there is a better way to care for a victim as they first enter that world of the criminal justice system, which is confusing and scary and intimidating. And so this model has had great success in many communities um, and really seems to be taking a hold nationwide. I, I know the National Children's Alliance has also consulted with some groups in other countries wanting to do a similar model. Sure, so. sure. What other agencies, uh, Holly, do you
1: collaborate with, and how does this collaboration benefit the clients?
0: All primary collaborators are, of course, those members of the criminal justice system who have a very specific role to play. We work with the um, child protection staff, the child welfare agencies. We work with law enforcement, which includes local police, county sheriffs, state police, um, FBI, those people are all key partners for us. Um, in our area, we serve a nine-county region, so we're working with a number of different law enforcement agencies. Um, we work closely with the prosecutor's office. Of course, you know, what, what that child reveals at their first interview drives up the case all the way forward and into court. So, we work closely to ensure that our method um, provides good information for the prosecutors to use um, that our interviews are done in a way that is not easily challenged for a defense attorney. We also work with local mental health providers, um, the local rape crisis and domestic violence advocates. Um, we are not a shelter. Like I said, we have clients with that first step of telling what happened to them and then we're going to link them up with these other services. So if they need to get to a domestic violence shelter, Oh. We're going to have a shelter representative meet with them before they leave our building. That, if they might benefit from mental health, we're going to link them up with a counselor right away so that they're so much more likely to use that service you know, as, as they take their journey back to recovery. So.
1: Sure, that makes sense. I understand that you have also initiated a child abuse prevention program in Holly's House. Uh, could you uh, share with us something about yeah. this?
0: Yeah. Um, that being said, we have we have realized that the children we see are getting younger and younger. And in our community we realized the elementary students were not getting a lot of really solid information about personal safety. Um, most of the kids in our community knew a lot about stranger danger, but the reality is most kids are abused by someone they know. And so we wanted to bring into um bring to those children good quality information about their personal safety, and help them understand how to get help if they need it, and you know, and how to recognize even when be when adult behavior towards them is not appropriate. So we've adopted a program called Think First and Stay Safe. Mm-hmm. Um, the group that developed that is Child Abuse Prevention, and this is a program we take to the schools. We have five sessions with every classroom that we serve. And we really talk to the kids about how to judge another person's behavior and what signs and clues might you see that make you kind of set your alarm off is how we call it. We talk about the alarm in their tummy, you know, and mm-hmm. so if people are behaving a certain way that should set your alarm off. Mm-hmm. And then if your alarm gets set off, where do you go for help? You know, go to your teacher, go to your Sunday school teacher, go to your babysitter, your after school program, your coach, um, you know, want to make sure that they have lots of uh, options about the adults who would help them if they are in a situation where someone's trying to hurt them. And we feel so that's you know that's really the key. If we can empower our children to to seek help before things get worse, or you know before frequent abuse is occurring, hopefully you know we're sparing them a lot of trauma, and that that would be so much better in the long run. So,
1: Yeah, that's amazing. What do you advise an adult to do if a child, say, begins to disclose that they've been abused?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the, the most important thing for the adult to do is to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you now, we kind of walk a fine line because we don't want children to have to tell their story more often than necessary. Um, you know, there is a certain trauma in the retelling. But we also don't want an adult to react in a way that the child thinks they've either done something wrong or they shouldn't have spoken up or that they're not going to be believed. And, and we often hear from adults, you know, when a child's situation does come to light, and the adults who were close to that child, they think back to, oh, I remember when they said that, and, and I thought they were, you know, I thought they were confused. I couldn't believe it was true or I thought they saw it on TV or, you know, any any time an adult reacts with um, hesitation, then the child's getting a message that, oh, I shouldn't talk about this or, oh, no one's going to believe me. And they're very likely, of course, to just close down and keep it inside. So the most important thing we can tell an adult is if a child starts to tell you something about being abused, As unbelievable as it may be to you, um, you know, kind of stay calm and listen. And let that child say as much as they're comfortable saying. And then, of course, you want to seek out the professionals in your community who can help that child. I think almost every state has a child abuse hotline, and that would be the resource to go to, you know, to ensure that the right resources come forward to help that child.
1: I'm a firm believer if we're going to err, it should be on the side of the child. Exactly, exactly.
0: I would rather, you know, do a full-blown investigation and find out nothing's wrong Mm -hmm. than, you know, assume that the child was confused or that couldn't really have happened or it's too unbelievable and have that child stuck in a harmful situation.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, Could you also share with us, Sydney, how your services are funded and uh, maybe if there's any charges at all involved to your clients?
0: Yeah. Um, We do not charge our clients for any service that we offer. Um, You know, again, victims in Durham, they shouldn't have to pay for (laughs) the support that they need. Mm -hmm. Um, Our our services are primarily funded through state grant money, donations from local corporations, and individual donations. Mm -hmm. And so we weave together all of those resources so that You know, hopefully we can provide the very best for our clients and ensure that, you know, they're not going to incur an expense by seeking help. That just wouldn't make sense to us. Have you ever had to turn a client away? Um, No, we have not. Now, our Mm -hmm. center is a little bit limited in staffing right now. We do not have staff on site 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I do worry sometimes that somebody's knocking on the door after hours and needing help, but... um, we also have, by our building, an emergency alarm. They can press one button and they're directed to 911. But, you know, I, we've never never had anyone come in and say, we can't serve you. That's amazing. If, yeah, if we're not the right match for them, we're going to find the right match. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make sure that that resource gets put in place as soon as possible.
1: And how many clients so far have you guys served the
0: organization? We've served, well, our... Of course, we were tracking our third birthday, which was earlier this month. About the third week of August, we served our 1,000th client. Hmm. So we're probably approaching 50 more on top of that at this point. Um, hmm. We have gone much quicker than we thought we would. I is mean, so it's not a a huge community. It's not a Chicago or Los Angeles, um, but we are a fair-sized community, and I I think we've all been a little bit surprised by how quickly the number of people we served has grown.
1: And, you know, since you um, have indicated with all the, the children that you've uh, served has been an exponential growth, do you feel like mm-hmm. that's an indicator that the rate of abuse is going up?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't. I, I think it's more an indicator of better community awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, we did a lot of publicity and awareness things during April, which is Child Abuse Awareness Month. And we served more clients in April than we had ever served in one month. Hmm. So I think our numbers growing um, is is more telling of the community becoming more aware of the issues of adults being more Hmm. aware of their children around them and the situations they're in. And that, you know, we've now provided a tool, a resource for kids and adult victims that doesn't that takes away some of the barriers they might have had in the past around telling their story or seeking help.
1: Sure. Well, we have a couple of minutes left, Sydney, and I'd like to ask what's next at Holly's House and make sure that you give us some contact information because you never okay. know if somebody's listening that they might want to find right. out how to duplicate what you've done. <laughs> yes,
0: and we would, we would welcome calls from anyone. Um, what's next for Holly's House is we really are trying to grow into being kind of a one-stop, one service for victims. Right now we help with the interview towards the investigation, but victims of sexual assault would still go to our local hospitals for the sexual assault exam, the medical evidence exam. Um, so that's really the next project we're focusing on is trying to create exam services within our center so that a victim doesn't have to go to multiple locations. That all of that um, work can be done when they're at Holly's house. You know, again, in this environment that is so intentionally safe, calming, private, um, just help them avoid some of the chaos that most emergency rooms have. That's our next big project. Um, in terms of contacting us, we do have a website, and it's house. That's one word: H O L L Y S. H O U S E dot org o r g. Um, on that website, there is an opportunity that you can email our staff directly from the website, and then you can also call us at eight one two four three seven seven two three three.
1: Well, I want to thank you again, Sydney, um, for calling well, and sharing this information.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for your interest, Anne. and um, like I said, we're we're very open to helping other communities that would like to set up a similar service for their children and their adult victims
1: of crime. Well, I'm sure if I uncovered, I would find more. But when I heard the story on 48 Hours, I think it was this past Friday, I was like, oh, my gosh. Gosh. Yeah. I didn't know anything. And that that's how I find this this media stuff. You never know what it's gonna what it you know what it's gonna lead to. Right. So right. But you've been listening yeah. to KUCI eighty eight point nine FM in Irvine, California. The views on this show are not necessarily the views of K U C I UCI Arts Border Regents. My name is Anne. This has been Operation Community Stimulus and we had Sydney we were had an interview with Sydney Hardgrave, uh, from Holly's house. And thank you again.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate your interest.
1: Thank you. Okay, thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Look forward to some phone calls. You thank bet, you. you bet. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: I see trees of green, red roses too. I see... Myself